0: All right, so today we're uh, in the second of a series of messages. Uh, Next week will be the third one on stewardship. We always talk about stewardship in November, and it's always time to think about, you know, budgets, but also about our lives and what we're spending our time doing and how we're we're, uh, investing, really how we're investing ourselves. And so today's message is about making wise choices. How do we make wise choices? Because stewardship itself is about uh, how we make choices, not only just about choices about our money, but how do we steward or make choices about our time, our resources, our talents, and our skills, so that as people of God, we would be about the things that God would be about. That is if you're a of Jesus, you want to be about the things that Jesus is about. So how do we do that? How do we invest in others? How do we love people? How do we share our faith? How do we share the good news? Now, the way I want to get into this about um, stewardship is that the choices that we make with all the things that we have, the choices that we make and the things that we do reveal our hearts. The choices that we make reveal our hearts. And the question really about stewardship is, uh, do we live in joyful response to everything that God has given us? Because sometimes people approach things like offering or like stewardship, and they're like, oh, this is a big drag. This is, so, uh, this is like my tax. And it's like, okay, I give so much to the IRS, and then I, I give so much to, It's just like a big drag. But Jesus shows us this parable that today is actually, there's, there's joyfulness in the response. And it really actually speaks about the heart of the person. It speaks about the heart of the person and their choices, and what they decide to do. So we're going to see a parable where two people really are excited about what they're doing, and then one person not very wise, not very excited about what they're doing. Before we get into that, um, it it made me think of a couple of people that I've met. And so as a pastor, you meet all kinds of people. And because you are a pastor, people kind of respond to you in kind of these these odd ways. So, um, you know, you're supposed to be like, I don't know, I don't know, people just, uh, you tell people you're a pastor, and they're just, they, they expect all these other things of you. So there's this one guy I met one time, and he knew I was a pastor, and he came up to me, and he said, oh, you know, um, I need, I need a job. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, um, uh, tell me, like, what are your skills? So he told me his skills and things like that. And, and I was like, okay, I was trying to think about what he could do. And he goes, um, you know, you're a pastor, and you know a lot of people. I Yeah, yeah, I do know a lot of people. He goes, so, you know, you know it would be so great if just, um, you know, when you talk to people that you know, if you can ask them if they can help me get a job. I'm like, uh, okay, I, I can do that. And then I go, hey, you know, while, while I do that, what are you going to be doing? <laughs> he said, I'm just going to wait here until you help me find a job. I'm like, I'm not going to help this guy find a job. I'm like, he's just going to wait here and hang out till I come back and give him a job? I'm like, Hmm. Okay, contrast this guy and his heart. With one time I was um, building um, uh, two bicycles. And uh for Natalie and Philip, And, you know, so they're, they're twins, right? So we had two bicycles. And I was putting these bikes together. But one bike had this really important bolt. But the other bike was missing this really long bolt. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't put this bike together because I need this really long bolt that goes down the stem. So I go to this bike shop. And I take the one big bolt that I have. And I go, and I go, hey, I need a bolt to fix the bike. And all these people in the bike shop are like, oh, man, well, I don't know. Well, you have it? And I show it to them, and they go, oh, that's a weird-looking part. I don't really have that. And then there's this guy that comes out of the back and goes, what, what, what's going on? And I said, I need this bolt. And he goes, that's from, this, that's from the stem, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, Wait right here. He goes to the back. He pulls out this cardboard box. It's got a ton of parts in it. And he's like digging through the box. And he goes, hey, how about this? And he pulls out the exact same bolt. And I kid you not, my first thought was, I need to hire this guy. Wouldn't you want to work with a guy like that? Wouldn't you love a guy on your team at work with that much initiation, with that much excitement? I mean, I love this guy's heart. What he did, the choices he made, how he chose to use himself in that situation totally spoke to me about this guy's heart. I loved, he not only loved building bikes, he just loved helping people. And that was really awesome. Awesome. Jesus tells this parable, and he tells this parable about what people do and how they engage in the work that's given to them. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 25, and it's 14 to 30 is what we're going to read. Jesus is teaching now, and Jesus says this, for it will be like a man going on a journey. Now what he's talking about is he's talking about the kingdom of God here. That's the it. He's talking about the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So let me define a couple of terms here, because Jesus is talking to people in the first century who would understand what was going on here. People are given a talent, five talents, two talent, and one talent. So that talent is a unit of money. It's a unit of accounting in the Greek monetary system. It's actually the biggest unit of measurement in Greek accounting. A talent is 10,000 denarii or 10,000 days wages. So one talent is 10,000 fair days wages. So if you did a little bit of math, if you worked every day, um, 365 days, that would be over 27 years of wages. Or the other way I think about the talent is let's just say, for the sake of easy math, that you made $100 a day. $100 a day times 10,000 days, it's 100, that's 10 to the second, times 10,000, which is 10 to the fourth, is 10 to the sixth. So that's a million. So this master goes and entrusts five talents, or five million dollars to this one servant. And then he entrusts two talents, or you could think of two million dollars to somebody else. And then the third guy gets one million. And he's saying, "Here, I'm entrusting this to you. Five million, two million, one million." Now just, just pause for a little bit here. What if just completely out of the blue? God entrusted you with $2 million. What would you do with it? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, what would you do with it besides buying the Tesla? What else would you do with it, right? Oh, yeah, anyway, okay. So anyway, that's, that's, that's actually I'd probably have to talk to my wife about it before I bought the Tesla. Anyway, so here's the situation. <laughs> you get $5 million, $2 million, and $1 million. And what do they do with it? The first guy traded it and invested it, and he doubled up. Five million, he made five million more. The next guy, he got two million. He traded it, he invested it, and he doubled up. He got two million more. The third guy, he took his one million, and he dug a hole, and he buried it in the ground. Verse 19. Now after a long time, The master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me, or entrusted to me, five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. this parallel in the parable. And this is how Jesus teaches these parables. Parables are a a teaching device where there's a couple of things that you see. They're in parable, they're in parallel, and then there's a contrast. So the two things in parallel, the five million guy and the two million guy, the five talent, two talent guy, they receive the same commendation from the master. This word is actually kurios, it's actually lord, Kyrios, it's the same word used for Jesus Christ, the Lord, so the master. They received the same response to the work they did. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the Lord. But then, here Jesus introduces a contrast, the third guy. And we're gonna see how his choices and his actions Really illuminate his character. What he does and what he says illuminates his heart. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours he gives back the one. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. That's lazy. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and you gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So, and now he's talking to other people, take the talent from him And give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now what's important to recognize is that this whole parable, especially that last part, which seems really harsh, This is the second parable of three parables in Matthew 25 where Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God and particularly the end. And so if you were here for our Revelation series, it's so interesting to read these parables in light of the end because we see in the end that there's a real struggle between good and evil. And we see that Jesus wins in that. But here we see Jesus again talking about the end And of all the things he talks about in the end, he's really talking about stewardship, how we steward our lives. And how do these three people steward their lives? How do the three people in this parable steward what they've been entrusted with? The first guy, he was entrusted with his resources, five million, five talents, and he was active he went out. He traded them. He got to work is what it says in the original language. He got to work and he gained five more. He made five more. He won five more. Same with the second guy. He was very active. He received it, he went out immediately and then he won five more. This word actually it says they immediately went out. They immediately engaged it's, it's like what Dale Bruner, he's a theologian, he looked at this passage. He says they were so excited by this. The servants, they are entrusted with all this resource, and they're so thrilled to have been entrusted with the master's gift that without a moment's loss, they want to throw themselves into their use. Hey, here's two million dollars do something good for the kingdom. That's what they want to do. Then the Lord returns and then the five talent guy says, look, master, you have entrusted this to me and look it, I've made five more. And same with the two talent guy. Look it, you've entrusted me with two and I've made more. I've made two more. Now, it it might sound a little bit like these first two guys are actually kind of tooting their own horn. Like, I'm so awesome. Look what I've done for the kingdom. But I think there's actually a righteous, holy kind of goodness that shows up with them. Because they start by saying, Master, you have entrusted this to me. Lord, you have given this to me, and look what I've done with it. It's kind of a holy pride, if you will, because they acknowledge that the gift came from God in the first place. The gift came from the master in the first place. So it's like, you gave this to me. You've entrusted this to me. And now, look what's been made. If you've ever invested in the life of someone else, and you've seen them grow, and you have a pride in that, then you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of a goodness. There's kind of a holiness to that. You've invested in someone, and they've grown. And you go, wow, God, you've invested, God, you've entrusted this person to me. I've invested in them, and then they've grown. Wow, that's goodness. We can take a genuine pride in that. But now we, we turn our attention to the third guy. Right? The two guys are faithful. The two first two guys are faithful. The third guy, let's unpack his situation a little bit. There's no joy in what he does. There's no excitement. There's no life. There's no activity. There's no investment he dug a hole, he stuck it in the ground, and he buried it. Okay, certainly it's safe. It's safe. It's hidden. No one's going to get it. He's not going to lose it. It's super safe. But the question is this, what is it good for? What's it good for? When it's time to settle accounts, the third guy comes up, doesn't do anything, And then what he says, actually, is very revelatory about his character. He says, Master, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scatter no seed. So I was afraid. Yep, I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. And now here, you have what is yours. Now, just the way I read that, I'm interpreting that for you, because this is what I think is what's going on. I think this guy is kind of (coughs) sniveling. I think he's being a little bit passive-aggressive here. I think he's trying to justify his laziness. He says, you reap what you don't sow, you gather but don't plant, and so you are hard, and so then I'm afraid, and that's why I did what I did, which is nothing. That's why I did. And see, basically, the reason I did nothing was because of you, because you're hard, because you're harsh. And essentially, what I read is that the third guy is really blaming the master, for what he did. It would be a little bit like the guy that I just met at the beginning, and he said, well, the reason I don't have a job is because you didn't find me a job, because you don't know enough people, because you're not a very good pastor, because a good pastor would have found me a job. You know, it Actually, it's reminiscent of one of the first recorded sins against God ever in the Bible, which was also a little bit passive-aggressive. Um, it actually kind of uh, is a little bit uh, dicey. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. If you think back to that story, God said, hey, you can eat of any tree in the garden, but don't eat of this particular tree. Don't eat there. Do everything else but don't eat there. And they ate of that fruit of that tree. And then God goes and looks for them. In Genesis chapter three, God says to Adam specifically, have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? It's time to settle up accounts. Have you eaten of the tree? And then what does Adam say? Adam says to God, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. Did you sin? Adam says, no, whoa, not really. Actually, it's the woman that you gave to me. If you would have not given me the woman, I probably wouldn't have sinned. I was just good by myself. The woman you gave me. I think it set the course for human marriage from there all the way through. <laughs> all right? Not my fault. It's not my fault. It's your fault. It's God. It's your fault. It's your fault. You gave her to me. That's why. I knew you to be hard. That's why I did it. Do you see that? It's a little passive aggressive. It's a passive aggressive. Blaming God. That's why I did what I did, which was nothing. And that's why I think the master's response is so harsh. That's why I think the master's response is so direct. He says, You're wicked. You're wicked. And you're lazy. Were you really worried about preserving my resources? then you could at the very least have put it in the bank you could have put it in the bank you didn't even do that and now this is how you try to justify your laziness i have to note this because i've talked with this passage about this passage with a, with a few people and sometimes they go yeah yeah but he says he was afraid he says he was afraid Now for me, I I look at this, I just think it's sort of smoke and mirrors. I think that's a false statement. Certainly, fear of the Lord is a good thing. In Proverbs chapter nine, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I don't think this guy was afraid. I don't think he was really afraid. I think if this guy was really afraid, Jesus, who's telling the story, the Lord from the master's perspective, I think the Lord would have shown compassion on him if he was really afraid. Because that's what we see again and again and again in Scripture. When people are really afraid, it's when God comforts them. It's when Jesus comforts them. It's when the word of comfort comes to them. You know, we're heading into Christmas, and so we're looking at some Christmas passages getting ready for Christmas. Do you know that when the shepherds are hanging out and the angel comes and says, hey, I'm going to tell you about Jesus, the shepherds are really afraid from seeing that angel. And the first word that the angel says is, fear not. Don't be afraid, because they were really afraid. You know, when when Mary... Was visited and told that she was going to give birth to Jesus, she was really afraid. And do you remember what the angel says to her? Mary, do not be afraid. When we were studying revelation, and John was getting the revelation of Jesus Christ, and he fell down because he was afraid. Do you know what the angel remember what the angel says to him? Remember what God says to him? Remember what the word is to him? Fear not. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Don't be afraid. It's a command given more than a hundred times in Scripture to people who are really afraid. I don't think this guy's afraid. He's not afraid. I think he knows what's going on. So the question is, for Jesus, who's telling this, is it evil to actually do nothing at all? According to this passage, yes, it is. But I also want to illuminate for us, it's much more about what does it real reveal about the character of our hearts? What is the character that will take God's gifts and do nothing with it and then blame God about it later? To me, that's what's so frightening. Also, just reading this, just kind of knowing our community, when I just want to just speak about this, there's a second pitfall. See, I don't think a lot of us fall into that first pitfall, being like the third guy. But one thing I do want to flag for us is that sometimes when we enter into this parable, sometimes there's the concern that we might compare ourselves to what God has given someone else. So that sometimes, especially followers of Jesus, we'll we'll invest ourselves a little bit, but sometimes we fall into the trap of, I only have this much. That person over there has got so much, so of course they're going to invest but I'm kind of a two-talent person. Or I'm a 1.5-talent person. Or I'm a 0.5-talent person. And we fall into the pitfall of comparing ourselves. You know, Jesus doesn't want us to compare ourselves with other people. That's what I see about the beauty of this parable. The five-talent guy and the two-talent guy, they both receive the same. They've both invested what the master has entrusted to them, each according to their ability. Jesus knows he's only asking you to entrust and trust him for what he's entrusted you with. So you don't need to worry about other people. Don't worry about comparing yourself to anybody else. It's between you and what the master has entrusted to you. The two talent guy just goes for it. He just goes for it. And like the five talent guy, he receives the same. He enters into the joy of his master. You see, stewardship and what we do and the choices we make, it's actually not about the money, it's about our hearts. It's about the choices we make that reveal our trust in Jesus Christ. It's not like Jesus tells this parable because he needs the money. It's not like Jesus would tell this parable to us today and go, you know, because really at the end of the day I had 5,000, I mean 5 million and then 2 million and 1 million, and I really needed another 14 million. Jesus is not looking for five million from you or two million from you. It's not about the money. Because where Jesus is, in heaven, eternity, in Revelation, they're not spending that money up there. Jesus doesn't need the five million. It's not about that. It's about our character. It's about making wise choices. It's about being eager to invest what God has entrusted to us for the sake of God's kingdom, not playing it safe, not burying it in the ground, but going for it. When I look at GRX, I walk with our community. I see a lot of five talent and two talent people in our community. There are a lot of us investing ourselves, our time, our money, our talents, our skills in gracious response to all that God has given to you, the goodness that you've experienced. There are life group leaders. If you've been in a life group, there are life group leaders who are investing in you. You know, our life group leaders came early on Sunday morning They came early on Sunday morning to study the scripture before they led our life groups. That was their investment in you as a life group participant so that you would understand scripture more and know Jesus more through the book of Revelation. There are people right now serving and investing in the kids and kid zone, investing in the lives of our kids. They're pouring into them. They're investing their talents, their five talent, two talent skills to build God's kingdom. We have a leadership team here at GRX. They're they're elected by the partnership and they meet for hours and they pray for our staff. They pray for me. They pray for you. They look at the governance. They are investing their time, their talents, and their skills for our community to build the kingdom. I could go on and on. There are people at Kids Club. There's people with city team ministry. There's people that help with summertime stuff. There's so many places where people are investing here. Five talent, two talent folks. This is our church, our community, investing with joy. Our talents are much more about just the money. It's about the time. And in actually, it's about any opportunity that God gives you, anything, your work, the arena of work relationships that you have, your family, your play, a conversation, in interruption. All of these are opportunities to invest. Invest in someone. Because God's giving you the resource. Even the resource of time. So here's the application. And this is the end. See in your life what God has given you. What has God entrusted to you as a follower of him? And then invest it. Invest it in faith. Build God's kingdom. Because the payoff is for us to enter the joy of the master. Well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that? Well done, good and faithful servant. I see it happening all over GRX. And I believe it's the wisest choice that we can make. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus Christ, I just thank you that you have gifted us with so much, that you've entrusted us with so much, with time, resources, opportunity, our money, our skills. And God, I pray that you would lead us as a community, that we might hear you, we might seek you. How, God, do you want us to invest what you've entrusted to us? for the sake of your kingdom. I thank you, God, for the generosity of GRX and how so many people are investing. Investing here. God, to your glory. You've entrusted this to us. May we say, look what we've made. Look what we've done for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.